you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. To another episode of the NRL Supercoach All Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back again for the Supercoach episode of the week, TLT round three. Big couple of rounds to start off the comp. It was uh, pretty big for Supercoaches round one and round two with a lot of different things to try and take in. Round three is when all the price changes happen. So it's a really big week in Supercoach, really big week for TLT, really big podcast for this week with a lot to go through. We're going to start off the podcast with a bit of strategy talk like we normally do talking trade strategy and really things that we should probably be considering at this point of the season ahead of round three. Then it's going to be straight into TLT where we're going to dissect TLT for round three, go through each game, go through the captaincy options and also the results and how we think that things might go. So for this particular podcast, TLT round three, you're here with me. It's a solo podcast this week. So let's kick it off with some trade strategy and a few thoughts on this round ahead of round three kicking off. I think for me, round two was a bit of a round of ups and downs. There seemed to be a pretty big group of super coaches that did poorly again, and then another big group that, that did quite well. So I think a 1,000 plus was a pretty good score on the weekend. Um, I was pretty lucky where I managed to get a 1,058. So that was unbelievable green arrows for me. I um, was really surprised with a 1,058 that that was... The type of movement that I saw, uh, so it was it was definitely tough rounds in the first two weeks where we're not seeing the scoring that we were seeing previously in SuperCoach, especially last year. So, a couple of general thoughts and trade strategy to kick us off before we go into TLT. For me, this is where it always gets really hard in SuperCoach. This is a time where it really kicks in. Two rounds gives us a lot more info than one round. Now, I know that might sound uh, a bit silly because it's pretty self-explanatory, but there's a lot of people that wanted to, I guess, knee-jerk after round one, uh, wanted to make trades after round one on, on guys that maybe they should have hung on to and things. Uh, certainly, I was talking to a lot of people, giving them advice and answering some questions, and a lot of what I was saying was it's only been one round. You should you know, hang off on doing some of these moves. After two rounds, I'm a lot more comfortable with looking at some of these moves like dumping guns and, and different stuff. So... Certainly two rounds, you know, it's not a huge sample size, but you do get to see a lot more. Sometimes there's a one-off game which has different trends or different ways that that game goes, and the next game it's sort of back to where you thought things would be. The Roosters in round one was a prime example. Last week, they were the Roosters that we kind of expected from round one. Now, if they came out in round two and played the sort of game that they played like they did against Newcastle in round one, I would be a lot more concerned about them. I would be a lot more concerned about having Roosters in my side. But round two, they, they just went back to normal. And you can almost write off round one and say, okay, well, round two was exactly what, where we thought they would be. And we just saw that. They scored quite well. Round one, they were just underdone. It, it just wasn't it wasn't a great game. And we can just write that one off a little bit. Uh, there's other guys as well, though, where you can kind of see a trend where the first two rounds, it's been exactly the same. So, I mean, I'd use a David Fafita, for example, He's a really good example because what we saw in the first two rounds is he wasn't getting very much ball. His clutch attack was way down. He doesn't hardly have any. He's got one line break assist, one try assist. Um, it's just he's someone who you're going to know by watching a couple of games whether they're going to go to his side enough. And I think that we saw in two games that they're not. And we're also going to see 
that his work rate is down across those couple of games where he's averaging, I think, under 10, 10 runs a game or something like that. It's very clear those first two two weeks that, you know, Fafita played pretty similar those two games and it just wasn't really up to standard. So it would have been a lot harder, I think, if Fafita, for example, came out in round two and absolutely blitzed it. You know, you then would have probably said, oh, okay, even if he's going to lose a bit of cash, maybe we won't trade him. But you do have that two-game sample now. So I really think that getting those two games sample to start a season is really important just to see whether what we think in round one is actually a reality or if it's going to continue. The other big thing with this point of the season is it's a really big opportunity because it's a big chance to either fall really drastically if you panic trade and also fall really drastically if you don't plan that far ahead. But as far as opportunities go... It's it's a really big opportunity to actually get a leg up if you make the right decisions and you don't panic. So I think that's one of the most important things at this time. Um, some of the examples, I mean, as far as planning go, we're going to talk a lot about Nico Hines because a lot of people are bringing him in. It's fine to grab him. He looks great. And I'm going to talk more about him a bit later when we get to the Sharkies game. But what you do need to do if you're getting a Nico Hines in is consider that Cleary is going to be returning soon. So you need to plan ahead and say to yourself, if I'm going to want Cleary in a few weeks, how am I going to do that? And if Nico Hines is in your halfback spot, that's something you've got to consider before you purchase him. It's fine to dump someone like Marnie. You know, Reid Marnie's been going out. He's in the top 10 most traded out at the moment. But if you're going to go to an Appy or a Starling this week, how are you going to get Grant in? When are you going to get Grant in? You know, these are the type of planning questions that you really need to ask yourself at this point. Because for this week, it looks fine. You know, you trade out Marnie, you get like an Appy in, you're happy with that. But next week and the week after, when Grant comes back and he continues blitzing it, which I think he will, you're probably going to regret burning that trade because you could have just waited a week, played Reed Marnie, gotten Grant in next week, and away you go. So that's what I mean about the planning and the panic trading. You know, you really just want to be diligent in planning ahead, thinking about plays that you're going to want in your team down the track. And if you're putting off trades that you wanted to do like a Grant, not panicking and just grabbing someone for the sake of it for one week. So that's one thing with where we're at at the moment. If you want a Heinz, like I said, you know, the other big decision as well is are you trading cows for these guys? And that's a big consideration too. Premium cow in Snyder at the Raiders. He's back this week. There's guys that are trading Heinz out for him. You know, is that the right call? That's a big question that you've got to ask yourself and it's really going to be very team dependent because you need to have cash generation still. And probably one of the biggest... Uh, I guess mistakes that I make every year, and I think it's a common one that with all super coaches, even guys that have come first make mistakes, is that you really struggle at this point when you really want a player, but you don't actually have anyone that you really should be trading out, and you kind of know that. You know, people that were going to trade for Grant this week, we're going to potentially some of them trade a Randall. People that want Hines this week are potentially going to trade a Schneider. You know, and those are guys that. Ordinarily, if you look at it in a vacuum, you know, is Randall a sell? No, he's definitely not. Is Snyder a sell? No, he's definitely not. You know, those are guys that you would normally say to yourself, I really need to keep them. And they are going to generate premium cash. So if you're finding that you're going to trade those guys out, you really need to consider all this stuff and think about it a little bit. Have you got enough cash generation in your team to make your future trades, to be able to sacrifice that really good cow to get those points in? And that's one of the big things at this point of the season. I'm going to say again, like I say on the podcast all the time, a lot of trades, not all, but you know, I'm going to say majority, there isn't a yes or no answer on. It is going to be very team dependent. 
one team that trades Snyder out is going to be fine. For Hines, they'll come in, get good points from Hines, and that team build and the, the players that they've got, it can work out. Another team will do the exact same trade and it'll work out terrible for them. And it's you know because of the team makeup and individual circumstances, plus other decisions that are being made. But we're going to talk about market watch and a, a few of the individual trades that are happening when we actually look at TLT. That's just some general thoughts and things to consider with your trade strategy when you're making these trades because it is a really big week. And this is a, a bit of a make or break week. Not for your whole season. You can recover from everything at this point. But just for the start of your season, uh, if you're looking to try and climb or if you're pretty far back, you know you really need to give a lot of thought to this week. When we're having a look at trades, the other good thing to look at now is trends and where we're at coming into round three. Now, like I said, there's a lot more information available. First two rounds, the average lowest margin of victory is the lowest it's ever been since 2010. So what that means in the NRL is we aren't getting the blowouts or teams getting roll-ons that we were last year. But in fact, we aren't even getting the blowouts in the first two rounds that we're getting more than the last decade of footy that we've seen. That's quite extraordinary. You know, it's not even just like we're going to go back to the pre-six again rules. This is like 12 years ago was the last time that we had such a low margin of victory. That's pretty big. 26 was the most points that any team scored last week. And we had two teams score 15 and 16 respectively in round two. And that was actually enough to win those matches. So all in all, in round two, we saw scoring is very, very down and not just a little bit. Round one, uh, we've seen now that a team one scoring 11 and another team one scoring six. Between both round one and two, only one team has actually scored 30 plus in a game of footy. That is remarkable. And it is very different than what we were used to seeing last year. So less attack isn't just a possibility, it's there. There is far less attack at the moment, and that's not even just compared to the last couple of years, but compared to more than a decade of footy now in the NRL. The stats are there to prove it in the first two rounds. So you need to make a decision now in Supercoach whether you believe this trend is going to continue or whether you think it's actually going to you know, go right back up and scoring is going to skyrocket. I think it's very much in between. You know, I think your best case scenario is that we won't see as, as low a scoring as what we did the first two rounds, and we'll see a couple of more blowouts here and there. But I don't think that we're going to be anywhere near the scoring that we saw last year. You need to make that decision yourself, though. If you believe that, looking into the future in your crystal ball, then you have to believe that the highest-priced players at the moment are definitely overvalued, and by a fair bit. You know, And that's, that's something that's not really going to change. So if that's where you're at and you believe the stats that we've seen the, the first two rounds of the season, trading on a high-value guy and buying them back later is fine. You know, If you buy the right players that are incoming and you do that, you're going to make money and your team's going to be better. So, for example, you know we talk about this all the time in Supercoach. Ever since the dawn of Supercoach starting, you're looking at like 100K plus off a cheapie and then you're kind of satisfied that you've made enough money to pay for the, the value of the trade to trade them back out. You can trade some of these top-line guns, make 100 to 250k off guys like a Fafita or a Turbo, and trade them back even in a few weeks possibly, and you're going to make that cash. So there really isn't any difference in how you make money. You just have to make sure that you're doing it. So if you're trading a Turbo now, you're almost guaranteed you're going to make at least 250,000. You know, But I would hazard a guess that you're probably going to make even more than that. And that's like getting two cheapies ripened and out of your team. So paying for an extra trade to get him in it's absolutely no problem at all. 
Um, you have to obviously factor in the expensive trades and the trades that you're burning. But we're going to talk a bit more about those scenarios in discussion on TLT. But really important to look at those trends, though. I'll finish off on repeating those before we go into TLT. First two rounds of this year, the lowest margin of victory since 2010. And only one team in those 16 games that we've seen has scored 30-plus points in a game. That is not much clutch attack at all compared to what we've seen. And it is far less than all these guys are priced at. So really, really important when you're considering holding or selling guys and also when you're considering buying guys, changing your strategy a little bit perhaps. So on the TLT round three, now when we're looking at TLT round three, the first game of the round is the Sharks and the Dragons. This one's quite a good matchup actually. I'm looking forward to this one, the local derby that always the Sharks and Dragons get up for. When we're looking at the teams, we've got the Dragons side with Andrew McCulloch out now and Embi shifting uh, from the interchange to hooker. That's going to be really interesting uh, for draft, not necessarily for super coach, but for draft, I would be targeting getting in and by. When you look at the Dragons bench that they've named, Gazowski, Jackson Ford, Josh Kerr, Jack DeBellin. You know, it looks like that they're planning on Moses Embi potentially playing 80 minutes at hooker, uh, and that's going to be a big deal for draft. It might even be a bit of a smoky for classic, but... You know, he is available at centre wing. Um, I'm going to say it's more of a draft move, though. For the Sharkies, big news is that Teague Wilton's copped a one-match ban. Uh, so because of that, it means that Talakai replaces him. And that's a big deal for draft, too. So Talakai could be a really good plug-and-play for this week. So if you look at targeting him for draft, that could work out really well for you, especially when you look at the uh, bench when they've got Braden Trindle coming onto it now. So now the Sharkies are running with a, a three-forward bench with Trindle on there. That could work out quite well uh, for someone like Talakai to get good minutes at the moment in the starting 12 jumper as a plug-and-play for draft purposes. When we're having a look at the super coach trends in this one, though, there's only one name to really mention, and that's Nico Hines. He is one of the most traded-in players at the moment out of anyone. He's coming in to a heap of sides. He was already around 18% ownership, uh, but now we've got 9% of coaches currently trading in Nico Hines. Dual halfback, fullback, most coaches are bringing him in halfback, as you should, 685000 Now, when we're having a look at what he's done the last two weeks, it's pretty remarkable. He scored 101 points on the weekend against Power, and he scored 72 points against Canberra. Uh, 36 and 37 base, so averaging a 37 base for his first two rounds is really good for a half. That's raw base without his base attack. One of the things that's really evident is that he's... Running the ball, uh, he's got a lot of usage of the ball and he can basically do whatever he wants because the Sharks are basing everything around him. He's also a goal kicker. So he managed to get uh, an extra 10 points in his first round score against Canberra where he really wasn't doing anything as far as the flashy stuff or getting all the assists or the line breaks that we used to see from Melbourne and he still managed to score 72 points. Even last weekend, I think a lot of people would have thought that he... Wasn't going to turn up at all, uh, but he managed to do it and score one of the top uh, scores of the round. So when we're looking at Nico Hines as a buy, you know, I think he's a fantastic buy. I had him most of the preseason. I really liked him. I talked him up on the Sharks preview podcast in the preseason, and I thought he was a great buy. I still think he's a great buy. In fact, I think he's even better now because the first two weeks he's actually looked, especially the first half of the Canberra game round one, looked pretty shaky. But that was him getting used to his role. And I mean, if he's looked shaky a little bit and he's still getting used to things and he's averaging 87 points a game at the moment, that's phenomenal. Now, 
I'm not saying that he's going to continue averaging 87 points a game, but he still hasn't scored a try. I don't think he's had a line break yet either. And he's got a really solid base. Like when you consider in his base base attack plus goal kicking, it's going to be very hard for him not to get you 55, 60 points. And that's just phenomenal at the moment because so many of the backs and so many of these guys that were high scoring last year aren't high scoring at the moment, but Hines has managed to buck the trend. It's some of the positives that I thought um, outweighed the negatives of him moving from the storm in the off season. You know, he's now in a team with a lot less talent around him in the spine. It's his team to run. He's going to get the ball a lot more and he's going to be able to do a lot more things with that ball and he's going to have goal kicking as well. I just I don't see any way that Hines doesn't continue on and have a really good season for the Sharks. And the Sharks haven't even been scoring that many points yet. So I'd say that they're still up aside for him to have some really big scores. So I love him as a buy. Um, and he's playing the Dragons this week. So I do think that it's a decent week. The Dragons have been a little bit better, but they're still going to allow a lot of points. Uh, certainly the Warriors, who have been struggling, still scored a fair few points on them. It's a good matchup for Hines. I think that he could potentially turn up again this week. So he's going to be a vice-captaincy option for sure in this one. You can purchase him, throw the VC on him, uh, and it's a really good week to be buying him. Other good thing about Hines this week as well is that the Sharkies do have quite a good draw. Now, Dragons this week... Then they've got the Newcastle Knights and the Tigers. That Tigers game, he could very well be a captaincy option by that point. Does have the Storm in round six and then Manly. But, you know, the Storm is a bit of a coming out party for him the first time he's going to play his ex-club. So expect him to get up for that one. And then it just opens up massively. You know, round eight onwards, Broncos, Warriors, Raiders, Gold Coast Titans, tougher one against the Roosters. We've spoken about the Sharks draw many times, but the good thing about getting him in now is he's going to get some good draw, but he's a plug and keep. You can just keep him for the rest of the year. Outside of that buy, after round 13, he's going to hit the Warriors, the Titans, and the Dogs. So really good draw for the Sharks to start to jump onto. Perfect time to be trading in Hines. There's no one else from the Sharks or the Dragons that's actually featuring in Market Watch this week. Nobody else in the top 10 have traded out or traded in. Uh, and there isn't really any other ones that I would say a huge relevance outside the draft ones that I mentioned. So let's have a move on and have a look at the top sport bet of the week on this one. I really like the Sharkies. You can get them on the money line at a dollar eighty on top sport at the moment, and I think that's a great one, and I think that's going to come in quite a bit on top sport. So the Tigers and the Warriors is the next one for round three. This one, there's a few players in market watch, but as far as team changes go... You know, you would have expected, really, that the Tigers would have been making a lot more. They obviously played really poorly last week. I really agree with the narrative that's in all the media outlets at the moment. They didn't turn up and that they aren't really putting in enough. The big news for them is that Jackson Hastings is out. He went and fought his dangerous tackle charge at the judiciary, which I thought was absolutely crazy for him to go fight. It was two weeks. Now he's out for three. Uh, then we've also got Luke Garner taking the spot of Talagi which is going to be really annoying for super coaches because he's looked quite good, although he did get benched last week and didn't come back. So that was really annoying because he has looked quite dangerous, I thought, Kelma Tuolagi, and quite a good young prospect. But he's not going to be playing this week. Uh, don't panic and trade him or anything. It's just a HIA five-day turnaround. He's going to be back next week, and he's going to be a worthy play, and I think someone that they're going to need to build minutes into because he's been one of the few bright spots, really, for them lately. Aside from that, on the Warriors side of things, um, the big change is that Cody Nicarima is going to come into the halves. He's going to replace an injured Ash Taylor. That could be a bit of a draft watch if you're really desperate for a half uh, or even a hooker. You could have a look at Cody Nicarima. Uh, uh, Fanil Blake 
is another one. He suffered a late injury last week, but he's actually been named to play, so shouldn't be any real dramas there. Now, on Market Watch, we don't have any coaches trading <laughs> trading in any Tigers players. I think that's a, probably a good thing at this point. Uh, likewise, we don't have any trading in Warriors players, but that's just looking at the top 10. I think there is some Warriors players that you should be more interested in than what we're seeing trained in at the moment, but I'll get to that in a second. Let's concentrate on the Tigers. So the trade-outs. Jackson Hastings has to go. 350000 sitting there for three weeks just can't happen at this point of the season. He's 2.8% being traded out at the moment. He should be absolutely everyone that owns him trading him out at the moment. There's no reason to hold Jackson Hastings. We haven't really seen much from him. You can basically at this point just move on. You don't want to hold him until he comes back in round six and you can just decide for yourself that it's just a bit of a failed one that you made a mistake with starting for round one and you need to let him go. On the other side of things, there is someone who is playing this week that is in the top 10 and that's big Stefano Utakamanu. Stefano is the ninth most traded out player at the moment. Very popular Smokey in the preseason that got a lot of steam. He's averaging 37 points a game at the moment across his first two games and only a minute difference in his minutes. 45 minutes a game he played last year. He's only playing 44 minutes a game this year. Now, I don't want to say that I uh, I don't want to say that I told you so on Stefano. There's plenty that I've gotten wrong and I will get wrong, but Stefano I was really skeptical about in the preseason. There wasn't any guarantee he was going to get more minutes than what he was getting. The, the run that he had in the final two months of the season included a lot of clutch attack. At the moment, the only attack of any sort, clutch or base attacks that he has, is one tackle break. Everything else is pure base, and he's averaging a base of 38. So that kind of tells the story. 44 points round one, 29 points last week where he played 38 minutes and didn't go back out there. I think that tells the whole story. The Tigers are a rabble anyway, but Stefano always has had a one-dimensional super coach game with a pretty low base for a middle forward and no real opportunity to get really big middle minutes either. So I definitely agree to sell him now. He's got a BE of 78. If he throws up another 30-something, he's going to lose some cash now, but also have a really high BE next week too. So... Definitely agree with selling him this week, uh, and I wouldn't really be wanting to be playing any of the Tigers at the moment anyway with how they look last week. They look like they're in a bit of turmoil. So those all, they make quite a bit of sense on Market Watch. Some of the guys that aren't being traded in that I think probably should be spoken about a bit more, you know, this is a, a pretty big game for both sides. The Warriors need to get a win on the board here against a hapless Tigers side, and the Tigers really need to show that they've got some ticker and that they're going to try and fight for a win as well. Josh Curran has come in at 586,000. He's got a B of 50, and he's probably going to go up a little bit. It's not a must-trade-in or anything. Uh, certainly, he might not be much more expensive next week, so you can wait. But he's averaging 72 points a game at the moment, and I tell you what, he's looked really good in that middle role. I was pretty worried in the preseason that he wasn't going to get enough minutes playing in the middle because generally he wasn't before. When we've seen him play big minutes, it's been on the edge. 55 base, raw base for him. And he's played 73 and 65 minutes now as a starting 13. That's incredible minutes for a middle player. So all of a sudden, we've seen a bit of minute security the first two rounds. We've even seen Freddie Fittler talk him up as a bit of a smoky option that might come into the state of origin side. I can't see him uh, being that affected even when Tohu comes back. He's played that well to start the season, and he was playing that well last year. That whether they move him to an edge uh, like they did last year, maybe Katoa goes back to the bench. However, they want to work it when Tohu comes back. I can't see Curran being benched. Can see him as a, a full season keeper. 
He is a guy, though, the last couple of years that's been able to hit a bit of a tackle on top of his raw base. We saw him in round one have a fantastic line break try assist that was great to see. Uh, scored his 81 points because of that. Against his Tigers side, he's a really good chance at hitting some attack again. So I really like him as a buy this week, even just to capitalize on the matchup as well. Likewise, you know, I'm not going to recommend him as a buy as much. Um, certainly if you own you and Aitken, though, I, I think there's some light at the end of the tunnel this game. He's been solid as a center wing. Uh, I said, you know, I really, really liked him for your center wing stocks uh, to start the season. He's averaged 53 points a game at the moment. That's not phenomenal. I did expect him to sort of be a 65-point type of player. But the base is still really reassuring. For an edge-back rower, he's still scored 48 points a game in raw base on average for the first two rounds. And he had a game of 50 raw base in round one. So good potential there just with the raw base. You know you're not going to get a bad score. He hasn't had the base attack that you'd normally get from him, and he certainly had no clutch attack. But he's playing 80 minutes. And for a guy like him, against those Tigers' edges that are really weak, uh, Garner's come in as well. Certainly there's been some question marks on him keeping his job in the past because of his defense at times. I really like Aitken to be able to get some clutch attack this week. I think that he's a decent shot at it. So really, really strong play for this week, you and Aitken. I reckon that we're going to see one of those sort of 75-plus scores out of him against his Tigers' side. So he's going to be a really strong play. Captaincy and vice-captaincy options, I don't really see any in this one. Both sides are struggling a little bit. Top sport bet of the week on this one. There's a couple of juicy ones here. I'm not too confident in being able to pick the winner. They're pretty even money on top sport, but you can get uh, you, you and Aitken at $4.20 for that anytime try. So if you want a bit of a smoky, I do think that you and Aitken at $4.20 is pretty good value, actually. Also, Ken Mamolo for the Tigers. He's $2.06. And that's phenomenal value for a noted try scorer playing his ex-team. So really like those two with the Mamolo $2.06 for a bit of a surer thing or the $4.20 Smokey on the UNA can try for his first one of the season against those edges. Rabideau's Roosters is the next one. Jeez, this one's a blockbuster and it's the return of Latrell Mitchell playing his old club again, which is always a big one. Obviously, Latrell versus Joey Manu is going to be there. That's all the headlines that are happening this week. But for super coaches. There's a lot of big talking points for both these sides. As far as the teams go, Cam Murray's back in the starting side. Played really well last week and came on and still played bulk minutes. So certainly no worry with him if you were looking at trying to dump him. Uh, I wouldn't worry about it at all at the moment. But for the Roosters, we've got Angus Crichton on the bench. Nat Butcher starting. Tupanua still has to come through his uh, concussion protocol. So he may be an out. Connor Watson's been named. But... Uh, NRL physio, shout out to him, gives us great information. It's talked about the sort of ball joint shoulder issue that he had with the injury and said it's a one to three week injury. So there is a chance that he does get ruled out. So I certainly wouldn't be relying on him. Look, one of the important things to do when we're talking about the Roosters and Angus Crichton being on the bench, it's really a good example of a, a game that you should wait to trade someone out for. Wait until you get to this game. It's only the third third game. Because there's every chance that Angus Crichton does come into the starting side and that there's a late change. And if that happens, that might make you feel a little bit differently about trading him out. At the moment, he's one of the top traded out players. So people are trading out Angus Crichton actually more than anyone. He's now just overtaken Katoni Staggs and is number one, most traded out at 6% of coaches. 
well ahead of someone like Fafida, who's at you know number five on the list at 3.4% of coaches training him out. It's really interesting. Obviously, the benching has played a big part in that. If Angus wasn't benched, I would actually hold him over David Fafida, and I'll talk about a bit more why with Fafida later. But if Crichton is starting, you know, it's a little bit overstated, I, I guess, how badly he's gone. He's still gone okay. You know, this is a guy who's still averaging 56 points a game. He's actually averaging more than Fafida is for $100,000 less in his price tag. He's going to have 105 BE, which isn't great. But, you know, in round one, he threw up a 66-point game, which had a 56-point raw base. If he threw up a 66 again, he's you know, it's not going to be that much that he's going to be dropping, and he's got the Roosters draw opening up. Obviously, playing Souths too, that's his ex-club. And I think that we thought that the Roosters draw for these guys was going to open up from round four. With how Souths have been playing, I'm going to say it pretty much opens up now. You know, the Roosters are a real good chance of putting points on Souths still. Uh, and after this South Sydney game this week, it's when the Roosters have the Cowboys, the Broncos, the Warriors, the Dragons, the Bulldogs, the Titans, and then they hit Para, Penrith, Sharks, and the Raiders for the bye game. Uh, it's a phenomenal draw up until round nine. There's some great edges that Angus is going to be playing. Yes, the ball hasn't been spinning out to him as much as what it probably should, but that's going to come. Angus Crichton isn't going to go through the next couple of months without getting any clutch attack. And the time he's going to get the clutch attack is on this upcoming draw. So big difference between, say, keeping him and a, a Fafita. The reason why I would keep Angus if he was starting is because he's got that base. He's got a 52 raw base. And he's pretty reliable to give you 50s and 60s even when he doesn't get the ball a lot for attacking opportunity. He still does his work. And he still generally gets the odd offload and the tackle breaks in there. So... I just think he's a lot more reliable. And when you're talking about the scoring and what we spoke about is happening with this particular NRL season, someone like Fafita relies a lot more on clutch attack to get his big scoring. Whereas someone like Angus Crichton does get clutch attack, but does rely heavily on his base to be such good value. And that base is still going to be there for him, provided he's getting the minutes. So I think you need to ask yourself with Angus Crichton, if he starts, would you feel the same way about it? Because if he was starting and not on the bench, I, I would be keeping him and selling a Fafita if I had both. If I didn't have Fafita, I'd still consider you know holding in Angus Crichton because he may only drop like 50k and you may want him back very, very quickly. Whereas other guys like a Fafita, certainly a Turbo, when we get to him, he's going to drop hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's a big difference in selling a gun as opposed to selling a gun and him only dropping a little bit and wanting him back. So I do think you're going to want Angus Crichton back provided he is starting. Wait and see what happens in the pregame because there's multiple things that could happen here. It could just be a bit of a ruse from Robbo. It could, you know, we get those late changes where we just got a heap of late changes on the weekend where Watson went on the bench and, and Hutchison started. We might get late changes again where Angus starts. We might actually get Angus playing the middle. And if he comes in and plays 60 minutes middle or 60 minutes half middle, half edge where he swaps with Butcher that's probably going to give him close to his 80-minute output anyway just because of the extra workload that he's going to get in the middle. And again, comparing him to a Fafita, he's not someone that's going to be put in the middle and not do a lot of work. He is actually a worker. He's going to get high work whilst he's in that middle role. So it might not even be that bad. It might even pay just to see how it goes. Maybe it goes bad, you know, but maybe it's worth paying 30 or 40 k just to see how it plays out than burning the trade early and regretting it later on. So it's going to be interesting. The other thing that could happen too is Satili Tipanua could get ruled out. Um, Victor Radley 
they've come out and said the Roosters that it wasn't a concussion injury, Jardy's neck. That's fine. He doesn't maybe have to pass the concussion protocols or is in any danger of missing out because of concussion protocols. But he is in danger of him having a pretty stiff neck and being ruled out because of that. And if that happens, you could very well see Angus starting at 13. You could very well see uh, Butcher move to 13 and Angus start on the edge, which is a possibility as well. Yeah, there's a lot of different possibilities here that could play out that sees Angus either get bulk minutes, maintain his point scoring in a lower minute role, or you know just starting out right back in his old spot. It's going to be interesting pre-game. It is only the third game. Try and wait and see. I'm not a big proponent of him getting traded out as much as what he is. Uh, but you know, I, I see why it's happening. Because if he goes bench and he plays 50 minutes a game, it is going to kill his value for what he's priced at. And it's going to be fair enough. So everyone needs to make the call on what they'd like to do there. If it was me, I don't own Angus. But if I did, I think I'd want to see it play out and see what happens. Because he's too good a player not to be getting bigger minutes. And I'm not too sure what Robbo's doing there. Sticking on the Roosters here, no one else makes it in the top 10 trade out or trade in when we're looking at market watch. But having said that, there is quite a few coaches wondering what to do with Billy Smith for this game. Uh, on paper, you know, South Sydney is normally a harder matchup. I don't think that it is as hard now from what we're seeing from South Sydney. They could struggle a little bit. But, you know, Billy Smith's first game, I, I sort of think from a super coach perspective, he's, he's copped a little bit more flack than what he should. He only scored 15 points, but he also only played 54 minutes because of a HIA. So, you know, he was on track to sort of score 30-ish or something like that. Round two, he scored 32 points against Manly. I think the positive out of it was that he had 30 raw base. You know, and if he keeps getting around a 30 raw base, plus a little bit of base attack, he, he should be around sort of 36 to 38 base base attack. He's just got to go over for a try, and then that's going to alleviate all the pressure. I've already spoken about the Roosters matchups from this week onwards, really, but certainly if you think South's is still going to be harder, and it might be, after this week, he's going to get a try at some point. You just have to hope that Suwali doesn't take his job soon. That might happen. For me, I'm just going to be holding him for this week. Um, I do see him getting a try now on the wing rather than at centre. I think it's a decent opportunity for him too. So I'm going to be hoping for a try. I think it's going to come in the next few weeks. He's going to get that LB try and that sort of 70 or 80 plus score. And that's going to get his cash really rolling again. And then you've also got him playing round 13. So you know what? You know This is when you just look past this matchup against South and look ahead a little bit. And this is where you plan a little bit if you're going to sell guys. If you're selling someone that's playing round 13 and you're really wanting to hit those buys hard, you might want to take stock and notice of how many guys that you have playing round 13 currently. Because you don't want to get you know two weeks before that big buy and say, oh, I've only got three guys playing and then not be able to make many trades to be able to compete for that buy when you wanted to. Someone like Billy Smith, if he's a slow burn, it works out fine because you know we've got another 10 rounds after this one before we hit round 13. And if that's what it's going to take for him to peak, that's going to be perfect because he's going to peak at that buy, provided that he still obviously has his spot. And then he's going to give you points in that buy round and he's going to be there for those good matchups, which you can actually play him for some of. And then you can just sell him, sell him then after round 13. So that's how I'm sort of looking at Billy Smith. He hasn't been great. He hasn't really stood out, but I think it's being overstated now how much you need to probably sell him. You don't have to. You can certainly hold and wait, especially with the Roosters clicking in a form last week and the, the run that they've got coming up currently. Uh, other guys for this game that are being sold quite a bit. Now, Cody Walker's coming in the top 10 most sold and with really good reason. Cody Walker has been exceptionally disappointing. Uh, he is one that I got wrong, I sort of thought, in the preseason. It didn't matter about the tougher draw because last year and the year before, at the start of the seasons, he had tougher draws 
and he completely disproved it. Um, averaged like 90 points against the Roosters in Melbourne across the first two rounds last year, something like that anyway. And he, he just hasn't looked like that at all this year. He's looked pretty lost, 27 and 17 points. He is someone at 735,000 and 199 BE. It's just a no question you've got to cull him. What I would say is that in three weeks' time, I'm going to be talking about him like he's a buy, and I'm going to actually be targeting him because he might be 500K in a couple of weeks. They've got the Roosters this week. They've got Penrith the week after. And then round five onwards, they've got one of the best draws that you'll ever see leading up to that big buy. Round five onwards, they have the Dragons, the Bulldogs, the Tigers, Manly, Broncos, Warriors, Canberra and Tigers again. Playing the Tigers twice in you know that couple of month period is an absolute godsend at the moment, especially for someone like Cody Walker. If you can get him for 500k, I actually think he's going to end up being a really good buy soon because he's not going to keep averaging, yeah, he's not going to keep averaging 22 points a game. But if you own him, sell him now. Look at it like you can make a couple hundred thousand, and you know don't get let your pride and ego get in the way. If you want to buy him back in three weeks, just do it. Because you're going to make your 200k on him anyway. Just grab him in a, in a few weeks' time and grab him for that run. That's exactly what I'm going to be doing. Even as a non-owner, I'll be targeting him. But certainly for this week, he's a massive sell. I think you've got to get rid of him with a 200 BH and with how they've looked. Just don't be surprised if you're going to be looking at buying him again in a couple of weeks' time. Bit of a smoky purchase for the Rabbitohs as well for this week. Uh, Campbell Graham has started off the season really well. Any long-term listeners of the podcast will know that I'm a really big Campbell Graham fan. I think that he offers a lot in Supercoach that gets unnoticed at times, especially for his runs. Very quietly, with no one talking about him, in the first two games of the season, he's got a 41 raw base, and he's actually averaged 69 points a game the first two weeks. That includes a 60 in round one and a 78 against Melbourne last round. He has scored exceptionally well, and again, the draw hasn't even opened up for them yet, and it's going too shortly. The reason why I say this week for the Roosters game, normally you'd want to wait on a Campbell Graham, and you certainly can, but he's coming in at 495000 at the moment, and he's got a 25 BE. So he's going to go up for next week's purchase. Now, maybe it's going to pay to hold someone and play them this week in his place instead of buying him this week and playing him for what might be a low score against the Roosters, but he has shown that he's already got a really good base. So, you know, there's arguments for both ways. Either way, he's going to be someone that's a really smoky pod purchase in the next three weeks that I think everybody should probably be looking at. And I don't think hardly anybody will. 2% ownership at the moment. That shows you what a massive pod Campbell Graham can be, especially for that rabbit's run. And when he starts making money in the next couple of weeks too, people won't be able to afford him or won't want to outlay that sort of cash. So he's a really good one to have a look at if you're looking at pod hunting for this week. Uh, on the rooster side, the, the pod hunt is on uh, Butcher. So certainly been a heap of questions about Butcher. Um, Nat Butcher had a massive game last week for the Roosters. I thought he looked really good, and now he's been named to start. He's only 420,000. He's a minus 16 BE, so that's brought a lot of people in. Uh, even in round one when he was on the bench, he still scored 41 points, and he still had 54 minutes. So I think a lot of people are looking at that and rightly saying, well, look, you know, worst-case scenario, he ends up back on the bench, but he's still going to make some cash. That's all fair, and it makes sense. What I would remind people of is that round one, Victor Radley went down, and the Roosters' rotation was pretty much shot. So they they ended up with a lot of extra minutes in Fords than what they normally get. He's probably like a 40-minute type of Ford, and that might be some scores of 35 or 36 points as well. So that's not going to be so great. And again, the same as what I said with Angus Crichton, if you get to that game and he gets benched, then things change a lot. And you need to ask yourself if, if Butcher was named on the bench to start. 
playing from there, would you really like to buy him this week? And I think the answer for most people would be no. So something to really consider. He does have the minus 16 BE, so I get why people are panicking and thinking they need to buy him now. I don't actually think he's a buy. 420000 is pretty expensive. Minus 16 BE can be eaten up pretty quickly with a couple of bench games and not making much, and then you've got to trade him out again. Uh, if he solidifies that role, he could be really good, but Angus Crichton's on the bench. We don't know what he's going to be doing. He may very well come on and substitute Butcher 20 minutes in, and then Butcher starts and still only plays 40 minutes. It's way too much risk for me to look at it. Butcher's a great young player, but Angus Crichton is better. Captaincy and vice-captaincy options for this one. Look, I think it's really a captaincy type of option for this one, more than a vice-captaincy, but you could go the vice-captaincy on James Tedesco. Teddy had a really good round last week. Got a little bit back to the James Tedesco that we know, scoring uh, 86 points, 84 points, sorry. Um, and it was a really solid 84 points too. He had the 30 in his base, but it was really his, his base attack was back. And that's, I think, what you really want to see in Tedesco. You want to see him running, getting the tackle breaks and getting the offloads. And when you were dissecting his stats, he had 18 runs, three offloads and six tackle breaks. That's the type of base-base attack that has made Teddy really, really solid as a captaincy option before. He had one line break assist, try assist, and, you know, that's great. He's normally going to get those each game, but he really didn't have the bulk clutch attack and still managed to score 84 points. Certainly with the way the Rabbits' defences looked, um, especially on their edges and, and out wide, I really I think that he can definitely get more than one try assist, one line break assist. He's probably even due for a try. He could be in for a really big game. One of the things that's a slight cause for concern on the, I guess, the con side of captaining or vice-captaining Tedesco is that last year, his two South games, the early South game in round three, he scored 74 points. But the late South game, when they got trounced, he only scored 18 points. Now, that's a very different South team, so I don't think they're going to have a game where he scores 18 points again. Having said that, you know, South aren't in the top half a dozen teams as far as his highest scores ever. He did, generally hasn't scored exceptionally high against them. The highest score that he's had is 126. But those are just stats that are food for thought. You know, it is a very different South team at the moment than what we've seen in years past. I do personally think Teddy's going to have a big one. You could vice-captain if you want to be safe. Um, I did that on the weekend, and I was really burnt by it because the guy who I captained in for feeder ended up being a lot worse than the 84 points I would have gotten from Teddy just going straight up. So I do think that he's an option for the captaincy this week, particularly with what we've seen from South. And I do think the Roosters are pretty fired up after the Manu stuff last year with Latrell to really go in, and they're in pretty red-hot form compared to South when you look at how the Roosters actually played last week. So Teddy's definitely there as an option. Top sport better of the week on this one. Have to say the Roosters at $1.60, I absolutely love it. The line is minus four on Top Sport, which is $2. So there's some really, really good value on Top Sport to back the Roosters this week. And I do think they'll win compared to how Souths are playing, how the Roosters have been. But this is a great opportunity just to take a moment to tell you all about a fantastic partner of the All-Stars podcast in Top Sport. Topsport.com.au. Go straight there or download the app. And Top Sport, if you haven't heard of them before, is a 100% Australian-owned bookmaker. They have often some of the best odds in market that you will see. And they take really great care of their customers. We do have a special promo code for All Stars podcast listeners. And that is SC All Stars, all one word. Pop that in the promo code when you actually create an account with Top Sport. And they'll take really good care of you as one of the listeners of the podcast. One of the other great things that Top Sport does have is markets for fantasy point scoring. Now, it's not exactly the same as Supercoach, but it's pretty similar. They've got player performance markets. If you go to the player performance tab in each game, normally those 
markets aren't up until the day of the game, so don't get discouraged if you go in there and can't find them now. But definitely the day of the game or the day before, you'll see player performance markets pop up. And what they are is some individual fantasy score markets. Like, for example, last week there was over, under on Fafita scoring above 50.5. You can have a look at the half a dozen things that equate to points on that, like 0.1 points per run meter and so forth, and have a bit of a go on that. But it's very similar to Supercoach, so you can almost bet on Supercoach. Uh, just have a look at the point scoring system to get an idea on it. But that's a lot of fun too because you can do on uh, all these bets on fantasy scoring and stuff on Top Sport now, which is great. So jump on Top Sport, www.topsport.com.au. Use the promo code SC All Stars to open an account today. Panthers v Knights is our next game. Uh, now, this one is interesting because we have Nathan Cleary on the extended bench in Jersey 24. He's apparently looking really good was supposedly a full participant in training as well. So he's meant to be quite close. They're apparently going to see how he is on Friday before they make a decision on if he's going to play or not. So he could be back this week. If he's not back this week, he's going to be back next week. So really need to start planning on how you need Cleary into your side. Big news is also that Brian Toto is unfortunately gone with a knee injury for up to eight weeks. That's opened up an opportunity for Taylor and May to finally jump in. At 250k, he's going to be an option but you do have some weeks to wait before you need to buy him. So I'd be keeping him up your sleeve just to see what happens because there's not going to be any price changes right now. Uh, you don't need to bring him in and play him. So you may as well just wait and not do that right now. I think it's a much safer to wait and see what happens in the next couple of weeks there. Uh, Fisher-Harris is named to start. So certainly if you own him, you'd be really happy because he was supposed to be out and I'm really surprised he's not. So you need to keep looking at that one before kickoff to make sure that he is going to play. For the Knights, Fitzgibbon's out. He's replaced by Barnett. And Croker coming on the bench. Clemmer is still not ready to return and apparently got knee surgery. So a few weeks out for David Clemmer. Big changes. These are two sides that have been going really well. Arguably the two most impressive sides in the competition so far. Uh, the Knights especially have, have been a much better side than what they have been. Kalen Ponga was out last week and they still smashed the hapless Tigers. But Ponga is back this week. Most traded in players... We've got a couple of Panthers here that are getting a lot of love on market watch this week. And the first one is Big Billy Kickout. 520k, he's a minus 2BE. So he certainly looks good for a trade in averaging 87 points a game at the moment. He's played 71 minutes last week and 57 minutes a week before. 71 minutes is way more than what he's normally going to play. But, you know, you can probably expect maybe a 60-minute average type of thing from him. Not going to play the full games, but the last two weeks back-to-back, he scored 87 points in each. Certainly, I don't want to talk him down too much. He's very popular. Second most popular trading at the moment was 7.8% of coaches getting him in. And I get it. He's, he's looked really good. couple little caveats with his scoring, though. You know, last week he started off on fire. Had a phenomenal charge down try that he scored against the Dragons, which, you know, he just, he's been scoring bulk clutch attack points the first two weeks. Double last week against the Dragons was still only 87 points despite how well he played. And the other thing with that was that in the second half, he scored about 10 points. So, you know, he has these moments of 10, 20-minute periods where he blitzes it. But if he doesn't have that, he has these large chunks of time where he doesn't score much at all and has sometimes quite a few errors. He's not overly expensive, but I'm going to say I don't think that he's a great buy. At 520,000 minus break-even, that might sound dumb. I can see a way that he works out and he has like a career year, but you're basically going to be asking for him to have a career year here. He does have some good matchups coming up. After the Knights and Souths the next two weeks, they do have the Bulldogs, the Broncos, the Raiders, and then the Titans. 
they do also play round 13 versus the Bulldogs where he's going to be playing. So he does offer you that by cover. There's some good stuff with those with those matchups for sure. But we kind of need to look at what he's done before as well, right? So before scoring 87 points a game currently the first two weeks, he's gone 59, 61, 58, 61 the last four years. He's always been between 58 and 61 points a game each season. We've already spoken about how much clutch attack he's had the last two weeks in his scores to get an 87 and an 87. And we've already spoken about how clutch attack is hugely down and scoring is down in general. So I tend to think that some of these tries and things that he's getting are going to dry up. Uh, and that's why I'm not going to be getting him myself. Fully, though, could see him having a bust-out season and maybe he's going to be pretty good value. Maybe he's going to have a career year. Uh, I think I'd be tempering expectations, though, because you are going to get some lower scores. Newcastle's defense has been really good. Now, they, they it could, this could be a low-scoring game if Cleary doesn't play especially. And, you know, the Penrith Panthers could well and truly lose this one as well with how the Knights are playing. If that happens, I could see a sub-50 from from Billy Kickout this week because he rarely goes sort of three or four games in a row of really big scores. That would be my concerns with him. But I don't want to talk him down too much. He has started off the year really well. If you are buying him, you are kind of banking on a really good run of form that we don't normally see him consistently do and also on a bit of a career year. There's a chance those things happen. He does look really good. I'm not going to bank on that. I think it's too much of a risk. But more so, I just think that there's some better options. Now, talking about better options on this Panthers side, I'm kind of disappointed that that, uh, Isaiah Yo hasn't gotten as much attention as what he really deserves because he has started the season really well, scoring 69 points a game across his first two games, 74 and 64 points the last two weeks. But the biggest thing with that is the last two weeks, his raw base has been 56 in each of those games. If you've got a second row that's going to get 56 raw base, that is absolute gold in a season that we've already spoken about. We expect it's going to be down on clutch attack. So when you have a season that's going to be down on clutch attack in Supercoach, what you probably want to be focusing on in your forwards is the guys that are going to be unaffected by that. Yo is going to be unaffected by the fact that we're going to have less clutch attack than what we had last year. 56 base, 80-minute games in both the last two weeks, uh, $503,000. So he's actually cheaper than Viliami Kikau. And his base is a lot better. He's averaging less, but he's had no attack whatsoever. So 69 points a game. It's a phenomenal average for 500k. You can get him at second row forward. He's been offloading as well, which is something that we don't necessarily see from Yo all the time. But when you're having a look at his base attack, he's actually amped that up the first two weeks. And I actually thought he was a lot older than what he is, but he's only 27 years old still. So these are his prime years that he's just hit. So it is worth noting that he's started to add these things to his game a little bit more because it very well could be him this year. I I was just really impressed with the last two weeks. Week one, 19 runs, three offloads, three tackle breaks. And those three offloads and three tackle breaks is key because normally he's a bit of a worker. In a low-scoring game uh, against the Dragons, he managed to have still one offload uh, and four tackle breaks. He's always, he's always going to get like 40-something tackles, but averaging two offloads a game and almost three tackle breaks a game, that's a pretty big deal for Yo. If he's added that to his game and he's consistently getting 80 minutes now, whereas you know when you're looking at last year, he averaged 64 minutes a game, that's huge changes in his role and also his performance on field. 500,000, I'm hardly seeing anybody jump on Isaiah Yo. 
He's a pot at the moment, and I think that he should be getting in instead of Viliami Kikia for sure. So I'm actually going to be targeting him this week. Yo, he's one of the first forwards that I'm going to be bringing in if I can get a forward in. Really like him as a buyer this week. He's my buyer of this game. Api Korosau is the other guy that is actually in the top 10 for the Panthers. Uh, eighth most trading player. I kind of get it, 480,000, but he's obviously a hooker. 71 and 91 points the first two rounds. So he looks really good. You know, that's fantastic, but... I think you have to ask yourself if you're trading up at Saikorosau, do you want Harry Grant in your team? And if the answer is yes, then you probably shouldn't be wasting your trade to Appy. I, I myself kind of don't get it because I, I always want Grant in my side, especially with how he performed last week. I would just wait on doing this trade. Whoever you're trading to Appy, trade to Harry Grant next week because I think that Harry Grant is going to be the better play and he's going to be the guy that you want. So uh, I'd be targeting that. Targo is the other guy. It's a no-brainer. If you don't have Targo for this price rise, you should have him. So he's a must-trade in this week if you don't. Knight side of things, it's interesting that we've got the most trading player for them being Jake Clifford. So he's started off the season really well, 68 and 70 points the last two weeks. Obviously, the goal kicker for them as well, and a dual 5'8 halfback's really handy. I'm not going to be jumping on Clifford myself. Uh, I see the appeal. The couple of negatives that you need to consider with him is... Do you think that they're going to continue going as well as what they have? The next three weeks of nights, we've got the Panthers, the Sharks, and the Manly Seagulls. They then have an okay game against the Dragons, although that's a weight win, which is a pretty hard travel for them. And then they've also got the Parramatta Eels in round seven and the Melbourne Storm in round eight. Not a great draw for Newcastle. And, you know, he's been on fire and still only averaging 69 points, which is great at $400,000 price tag. But it might be actually the sort of peak that you can expect from him over that couple of month run. I don't love it as a trade in. Uh, maybe being young, he's going to have a career year, and it's really going to you know pay off with the Andrew Johns factor being there at training and helping these guys out. Maybe he's going to develop, and this is going to be who he is, and you get a good deal. I don't like the risk of it. I don't like the downside. Twenty one raw base he's got, which is pretty bad. He only had an eighteen raw base in round two against the Tigers. Goal kicking is nice, but again, if you think the Knights are going to keep going like this, okay. Um, If you sort of think that they're going to get some losses soon and their attack might fall down a little bit, which I do think that's the case, then he's going to go down quite a bit. It's in an important position, 5.8.5. So I'm not sure who everyone's trading him into for, but if you're trading a Snyder or an Elias, I think it's a big mistake because those guys are going to make some money. And it's not like Clifford is like a Nico Hines where you can... Kind of talk yourself into it because of the points that you're getting. I don't think you can do that with Clifford at all. Cleary's coming back soon. So, you know, certainly if you're trading your first choice halfback for a Clifford, why not just wait and get a Cleary in in the next couple of weeks and save up for that? You know, I just, I really don't like the trading very much at all of Clifford. And I say that acknowledging that he's having a really good season and certainly in real life he's played really well for Supercoach. I'd be holding off myself. When we're having a look at the top spot better the round for, for this one, um, it's. Interesting markets for this because I'm really not sure how the Panthers are going to go when you consider some of the outs that they have. Obviously, Brian Toto is out, uh, and then you've got some other guys that are in doubt, like James Fisher Harris. But they're only paying a dollar twenty-three. The Penrith Panthers. They're playing in Bathurst, so it's more of a Penrith home game than a Knights one, but it's still not at Penrith Panthers Stadium. Um, Newcastle Knights four dollars twenty, and they've been playing really well. They've got Caelan Ponga back. I'm going to take plus 11.5 on top sport at $1.95. I reckon that's a pretty good each-way bet to, to say it's going to be a tight game and Newcastle can still lose it and you're going to cash in. 
Next game, we've got a bit of a blockbuster with the Eels versus Storm. The Eels have had a really good record against the Storm in recent years. And the big out for the Storm is obviously Harry Grant is now sidelined due to testing positive for COVID. Now, you'd hope he's going to be back next week, which he should. There's always a chance that there's going to be some lingering issues that he might miss two weeks. But certainly, uh, if you were trading in Grant this week, you've dodged a bullet. If you own Grant, you'd be really bummed out like I am because I got him in last week and I really enjoyed it. He scored 91 points last week and he looked... Absolutely phenomenal. But, you know, you've got him in your side probably back for next week. If you're going to buy him, I wouldn't panic and get another hooker in. I would just wait. If you've got to play a rand or play someone lesser this week, you just play him, wait until next week and get in Harry Grant because he's going to be the guy that you want. As far as the changes go on the eel side of things, there isn't really many aside from Nathan Brown starting. Obviously, it's going to leave a bit of hole with Grant out. I'm not sure who's going to go into hooker yet. There might be a, a bit of a Kenny Bromwich shift to nine. Uh, maybe that Tyrone Wishard gets a start. Uh, or maybe that Nick Arena comes in from Jersey 21. Either way, for the supercoach purposes, Pappenhausen has certainly returned to form a little bit, and he's playing an eel side at home in Amy Park after putting up a match-winning field goal last week. Um, probably the big thing, though, is that I think that in real life, Pappenhausen had a, had a really good game and was a match winner for them with the field goal, but he only scored 51 points. In the first two rounds, he scored 51 and 71 points. So, you know, averaging 61, well below his 79 and 71 the last two years. He's probably going to pick it back up. Will it be this week against the Eels? I wouldn't be confident enough to put the C or the VC on him. He's got 107 BE. I certainly wouldn't be trading him just because of that. He's not one of those guys that you should cash in on. Uh, but I don't think that I'd be captaining anyone in this one either. Cameron Munster's been reasonably popular the last couple of weeks. He is someone that I can see going well against the Eels. He scored 74 points last week. Uh, that included a try. It also included a line break, so he did have the clutch attack in there. I do really like him as a buyer this week. He's obviously only played the one game, um, but they do have a good run after this week. I do think that he could go well against the Eels this week. So certainly if you've got a Cody Walker, uh, a Cody Walker to a Cameron Munster for this week makes a lot of sense. And he still had the, the solid base-base attack last week that's going to ensure Cameron Munster's you know, 40-pluses that he's going to get as a floor is always going to be there. I, I didn't think, I thought he looked good. I didn't think that he looked you know, outstandingly better than what we've seen the last couple of years. But it is only one game, and 5-8 is a real troublesome position. So certainly Cody Walker owners should be looking at a, a Cameron Munster upgrade, uh, and they're going to actually cash in some money from that as well and make some cash of about 80 grand by doing that trade. Certainly do it this week. As far as the game goes, I think it's a lot harder matchup. The the Storm were really good last week against South in the first half and look like, you know, the Cameron Munster, Ryan Pappenhausen and um, Harry Grant threesome were going to put huge points on, maybe three tons between those three guys. And then the second half came and South Sydney really rattles the Storm a little bit, I thought, and it makes you wonder whether, you know, a game against the Eels like this is going to be high point scoring for them. Uh, this could be a bit of a low scoring slugfest, in which case I don't really love any of these guys, and certainly I wouldn't be captaining any of them. Really good game in real life, in super coach purposes, I'm going to say that I don't love it. On top sport, you got the Eels at $2.55 outsiders, plus four and a half line. Look, I, I really don't know how to split this one, but I am going to say that I think it's going to be a close one. So I'm going to pull out that line to plus seven and a half, and I'm going to get a dollar sixty-five from that on Top Sport for the Eels, and I reckon that's a pretty good one to go with if you think it's going to be a tight game between the Eels and Storm. Raiders and Titans is the next one. 
Uh, I'm going to say outright, I'm not going to spend too much time on this one because I think there's really a couple of talking points. But for the Raiders, I wouldn't be buying any of them at the moment just because I don't think they look very good at all. Their game last week was absolutely shocking. You know, they got belted in the end by the Cowboys and they did it in a way with just really quite inept attack, pretty bad errors as well. Their back three were dropping all the balls. The good news for them is that this week they do have Nick Kotrich back on the wing and they do have Jordan Rappenau back on the other wing. So that should help their back three hopefully make less errors, which I think it will. And Brad Schneider in at seven, again, I think is going to help their direction too. And certainly, you know, it's a, a good pack to go up against this Titans side. But you know, I think guys for super coach like Tappany, Hudson Young, um, have been underwhelming last week and you'd want to wait and see what they're doing if you didn't own them and you were actually trying to target some pods there. I don't. I wouldn't be buying any of the Raiders. I, I'm going to talk about Starling because I think a lot of people have looked at Starling, me included. Obviously, Josh Hodgson is now out for the year. It is big super coach news, but we don't really know how that's going to go. Like, There's a chance that Starling doesn't play 80 minutes and I think that you want him playing 80 minutes if you are going to purchase him. 343000 you know, he, he's going to make some money, but round one, he played 73 minutes, and he's got 46 points. Round two, he played 57 minutes, which could actually be his role going forward anyway as a starter, and he had 39 points. So I think you want to really see uh, what his role is going to be before you actually go and jump and get him. He's got a 28 BE. He's not going to go up that much. You're still going to get him easily sub 400K in a couple of weeks unless he goes nuts. And you can sort of see his role a little bit better, how he's going and also how the Raiders are going. Because after this Titans game, they've got Manly and then they've got the Storm. Then they have a bit of a reprieve against the Cowboys, although the Cowboys just smashed them. And then they have the uh, the Penrith Panthers. So you could argue if you think that the Cowboys are going to do a number on them again the next month after the Titans game is actually really hard for them. So you know, they, they do have a lot of home games coming up, but they've got pretty tough opposition as well. So I would be holding off on any Raiders at the moment until we can see a bit of form from them and what they're going to be doing. Starling's numbers stack up if you can get the 80 minutes, and that's what you're going to be waiting for, and that's the key. What you have to ask yourself, and I've said this to so many people that have been grabbing Starling and putting him in their sides... Uh, what are you going to do with Harry Grant? You know, if you're getting Starling in for Armani or something like that, and Randall is your other hooker, are you fine to not have Harry Grant for months? And that's sort of the decision that you need to make. Or are you trying to say that you're going to, you know, go early on on Randall going out and you're going to miss money there? If you're going to do that, where are you going to get that extra money from to cash generate everywhere else in your side? Those are the sort of questions you need to ask yourself without jumping the gun and grabbing Starling immediately. For the Titans in this matchup, they are unchanged. And obviously the big elephant in the room that we need to talk about, and it's a very large elephant. He's a big fella, big for feeder. Didn't play very big last week, 54 points, and only played 65 minutes. A lot of people are scratching their heads as to what to do with a Fafita. I own David Fafita. I'm going to be selling him 100%, and I'm going to tell you why. He's got 54 points last week against the Warriors. I actually captain Tim myself, so that was disappointing to get double 54, but it could have been worse. Uh, look, he had a raw base last week of 30. He had a raw base the week before of 34. He's always had quite a low raw base, but if he's not going to get much above 10 runs a game, that's just not going to be enough for him to even get the attack. If the attack's down and his work rate is going to be so low, it's going to be really hard for him to get close to replicating what he was doing. I think that you've got much more... 
solidarity in keeping guys who maybe haven't scored that well, like Fafita has, that have a really, a really good base normally anyway. You know, if you've got higher base guys like an Angus Crichton, it's a lot easier to take the hit on less attack because they're still going to get decent scores. If Fafita didn't get that line break try assist last week, you know, he would have been sitting on around 30, which is just a terrible score for 750,000 as a forward. You can maybe cop it every now and then from a back, but I just don't think that you can cop that from a forward. He's got 130-odd BE. He's almost $750,000. At the moment, my trade is going for feeder down to Yo, and I'm going to get $250,000 to play with, and a guy that is currently outscoring him by 12 points a game in Yo, and I has that strong base, and it isn't going to you know fluctuate down to 30s or anything like that. I was also on an eye test outside of the stats point of view, uh, really worried about Fafita. He came off and played 65 minutes. If that's going to keep happening or he has fitness issues, that's going to be a major problem for his value. And I just don't want to risk that at the moment when he's going to drop a huge amount of coin. The other thing too with Fafita as well, on the eye test side of things, half of it's Holbrook's fault. They're not going to that side at all. He's just not getting any ball to be able to do anything. But at the same time, he's been pretty lazy in what he's been doing. I know some people say, oh yeah, but... He's an edge-back rower. It's not his job to go and look for the ball. It is a little bit, okay? If you're getting paid $1.2 million a year, you need to make plays, and you need to go looking for the ball a bit. You'll see Travojevic take hit-ups. You'll see all these star players take hit-ups outside of where they're meant to be on the field normally. He needs to go in and take some hit-ups. He needs to take some runs. There were some really telling signs for me in those games watching them. There was a point where you know there was a loose ball, and he kind of you know ambled over towards it, didn't really run with any type of urgency at all and it was like 25 out from his own try line and when he picked it up he didn't like run to try and make some meters he tried to throw a pass to Jaden Campbell to have a run instead and take a hit up rather than taking himself there's some that's one little thing but there's half a dozen of those in each of those games where I just think that he's looking a bit slow he's looking a bit unfit and I don't know what it is so it's going to be really hard to hold him for me I think that you really need to sell him if in a few weeks' time he looks really good, then certainly buy him back. But it's not like he's not like it's looking like there's going to be a heap of clutch attack for him in the future with the attack that Holbrook's got there either. So I think he's a really easy sell actually, and you can do a lot with that money and almost get two guns by trading him and someone else to a yo and a center wing upgrade if you want one or, or whoever. Another popular Titans player at the moment is Bo Fermel, three hundred eighty thousand dual center wing second rower. I didn't think that he was going to get the minutes, but Proctor hasn't been taking his minutes off the bench, which has been really good. So he's been playing 80 minutes a game in the last two weeks. Uh, a bit bit too minds about Fermor. I think it's fine to go and grab him, but I'm not going to go overboard and, and say he's a fantastic purchase either. I, I think he could work out or he could end up being a little bit underwhelming. Round one, he played 80 minutes and he scored 36 points against Parramatta with a 32 base. Now, his base was a lot better last week at 42. scored 77, which is great, but that also included a try too. So, I mean, he's a guy that has low base. We did see some good base attack from him last year. If you can get that up and get the odd attacking stats, and you know, it, it could work out really good. I'm going to reiterate, though, that they don't have um, the best draw. They've got a couple of really good matchups, like the Tigers in Round 4 and the Cowboys in Round 7, but they've got then Penrith, Manly, and Parramatta sprinkled in there, which aren't great for him. So, yeah, he's an okay buy. Um, he, he might work out well for the price tag and for the duel. 
I just wouldn't be getting too carried away about him because he does have that low floor. So you are going to still get maybe 30s games out of him occasionally. So don't try and talk yourself into him being, you know, a 50-plus staple in your centre wing. And I certainly would be buying him in your centre wing. I wouldn't be putting him in your second row. But he's certainly a decent enough option to have a look at now. If he gets any less than 80 minutes, though, that's your other risk as well if you purchase him. Top sport better of the week on this one. Obviously, no captains or vice captains. But, geez, top sport have the Raiders at $1.68. I actually really like that for them. I think that they're going to bounce back. I do think that the changes of having a halfback come in and two wingers that are going to be able to catch the ball and do a lot better error-wise than what they did last week is really going to help. And I reckon Ricky would have put an absolute rocket up his team. So I reckon playing at GIA Stadium uh, against this Titans side, they match up pretty well, and I think that they're going to get the job done. So $1.68, pretty good odds there at Top Sport. Next game is the local derby, the Broncos versus the Cowboys. This one is always good. I think there's some crazy stats out of how many times it ends up in a one-point margin, so that might be something you can have a look at in top sport as well for this one. But when we're looking at the sides, there's no changes at the Broncos. Uh, The only change for the Cowboys is going to be done out because, unfortunately, he did his ACL. Otherwise, all looking pretty stock standard. Now, with these teams, I don't think there's any massively relevant players for the Broncos to talk about for this one other than Selwyn Cobo was a big pass last week. And I still will not sold at three hundred twenty thousand. Payne Haas, a lot of people are bringing in. That's we've talked about him to death the last couple of weeks, so I'm not going to do it again. But he's a must-have front row forward. If you don't have him, that's certainly someone that you can use your feeder money from to get a Haas in your front row. On the Cowboys side, though, one of the guys that is entering the top ten most traded in really hurts me because I've been looking at Hiku since the preseason and. He was like 1% owned or less round one. And now quite a few are jumping on him. 360,000 for Peter Hiku, minus 19 break even. And he's now scored 72, uh, sorry, 62 points round one against the Bulldogs and 76 against the Raiders last week, neither of which included a try. 69-point average in the first two weeks. Big, big thing for him is the 37 raw base. Uh, and the tackle breaks and offloads for his base attack have always been phenomenal. And they've been there you know, on full display. So he's really giving himself a floor of close to 50 if you look at his base base attack and what he's been doing. The thing with Hiku is, can he keep it up? Can he maintain his position? Uh, can he not be out with injury? Those have all been issues in the past. But playing center rather than wing or even a, a stint at six is, is his spot. And that's where he is for the Cowboys. And the Cowboys have a pretty good matchup this week against the Broncos. bit tough against the Roosters the following week. But then they've got the Warriors, uh, Canberra. And the Gold Coast Titans with three pretty decent matchups. So, look, I at the price tag, you know, someone like Hiku at three sixty, I thought was a lot better than someone like Colbo at three hundred twenty thousand. And I do think that he's a really good buy as far as someone that you can play and get decent points. And it's going to make the money. Um, he's got the really good base there to back it up. He always has a good base base attack, but he also plays round thirteen as well. So, you know, as far as buys go in your centre wing, if you're looking at a cheap mid range type of buy. He's probably the number one, and he's rightly in the top 10 at the moment. A shame that he's not going to remain a pod, but he still might be around that 10% ownership, and he's the only guy on this Cowboy side I'd look at at the moment. As far as holds go, I'd certainly hold a Jason Tomalolo. Scoring mid-50s isn't a bad thing. I think that he would have come on for some extra minutes at the end of last game had the game been closer than what the Raiders allowed it, but it wasn't, and he just stayed on the bench. But otherwise... He's angling towards probably playing 60-plus minutes, which should get him some 60 scores coming. And against this Broncos side, I reckon he's going to really fire up against the pack. I'm going to call it 65-plus this week against the Broncos for big Jason Tomalolo. Very big hold for me. 
Last game of the round, we've got the Sea Eagles versus the Bulldogs. Wow. Travojevic finally gets a decent matchup, although this is a different Bulldog side than what we've normally seen. So, look, we've got minimal changes between both sides. Um, when we're starting off with the Sea Eagles, obviously Tommy Turbo is a big guy to talk about. A lot of conjecture as to do you sell, do you hold, do you captain? You know, a lot of people in two minds are known Tom Travojevic at the moment. He's one of the most traded-out players. Close to 5% of super coaches are trading him out, making him a top three most traded-out player at the moment. Um, look, there's for my liking, there's too many people that think that there's black and white answers on Supercoach. I will never say that there is for a lot of the answers. I think you could go, yep, we can trade him and it's fine. I think you could also equally hold him. The biggest thing on both of those scenarios is what your team build is like and what you do with that. So what I mean is if you're going to trade Tom Trevojevic, it's fine. You're going to make money out of it, but you have to make the right decisions with those trades. So if you trade him and you pick up a couple of guys that aren't good trade-ins, then it's not going to work out well for you anyway. Um, if you make, you know, if you nail those trade-ins, it's going to work out great and it's going to be the option that you should take. Likewise, you know, if you, tra- if you were looking at holding him, if you're trying to hold Travojevic and you're looking at your 17 and the last four or five guys that you got in your 17 for this week are really weak players, like bench forwards and stuff, then you've answered your own question. You should be trading Tom Travojevic. You cannot hold him. If your 17 is actually pretty strong or you're pretty confident with it, then you could certainly you know, bite the bullet and go and hold him. But you really need to spend some time planning on it and looking ahead and saying, am I going to have enough money to do these other trades and upgrades if I'm carrying Tom there and I'm going to lose three, $400,000 in the next five or six weeks, which could happen. You have to prepare yourself for the worst case scenario. I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill anyone if they say, you know, I'm going to hold Tom Trevojevic. I'm not going to try heaps hard to talk them out of it. He still could come out this week and score a ton. He still could score really well going forward. And if somebody wants to go down with the ship and take that risk, I think it's a fine risk to take because he was the best player in the game last year. But... If you're asking me what decision I would make, I would I would be selling him. Um, and the reason is because I do think that he's going to easily drop a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, and I think the money that you could you know save by doing that and going to another fullback, I think you can equal the points still. Uh, look, he could come out and score 100 points this week. I think that he's going to score at least an 80-plus. I think we're going to see a really good game, a good chance that he turns up. But equally, you know, you could save $500,000... And just go down to a Tedesco if you don't have him. You could save that money and go down to a Pappenhausen if you don't have him. And use that money just to upgrade a NPR, a non-playing reserve that you got at a base rate to a gun somewhere with that extra $500,000. You know, And then you all of a sudden you've got a much stronger 17. So I would 100% be training him. Um, I don't think that people should be lambasted on all the social media pages and everything on Supercoach if they're going to hold him. Uh, because you know the Bulldogs are a different side this week, but they are still a side that's not going very well, and he still could very well carve them up this week. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, um, but if you are going to hold him, is he a captaincy option? Yep, I think he is. I think if you're confident enough that he's going to come good that you're holding him, you should be throwing the C on him this week because he is playing the Bulldogs. He's not going to get a lot better matchups coming up than this one. This is a great opportunity for him to shine and to step up finally to... Not get 143 like last year's average, but certainly I think he's got a chance at a ton. And I'll finish off by saying I know it's a different year. I know it's a different Bulldogs team, but he scored 170 points against the Bulldogs the second last game of last season and absolutely blitzed them. So, yeah, it, it, it'd be brave if you're going to hold him not to put the C on him. Um, and if you are going to sell him, 
make sure that you nail your decisions and make sure that you prepare yourself for the potential that he could score 130, 140 points because that could happen. Uh, you need to be confident that if that happens that you're going to still be all right with your decision to save the money. I personally think he's going to be under a million dollars in a few weeks and it's going to be you know, easy easy to pick him back up later on if you need to in a month or so and you can talk yourself into burning those trades if you see him come back into a bit of form. When we're talking about David Fafita replacements on this Manly side, there's a lot of people that have been looking at Olakuatu. Uh, he started off the season really well. He's only around 500k as well, so there's certainly a lot of things to like about Holy Moly. First two weeks of the season, he's gone 51 and 77 points. Uh, and he's averaging 47 base, which is pretty solid for an edge back rower. And he's played 72 and 80 minutes, so it looks like he's got an 80 minute role there, which is good. Um, look, one of the positives with him though is kind of a little bit of a worry if you're playing devil's advocate on buying or non-buying. 15 tackle breaks in the first two weeks has gotten him up to those 51 and 77 points, and you know that's a hell of a lot of tackle breaks for him to be getting. And last year, one of the biggest things that I was worried about with him as a purchase this year is that the way he was getting his points to his 58 average and certainly on his run where he's averaging mid-60s the last two months of last year as a starter were he's getting a lot of line breaks and tries and he obviously hasn't been getting those this year but he wasn't getting much base-base attack. He was sort of a, a couple of tackle break, maybe maybe one offload type of guy and to get you know, seven and a half tackle breaks on average across the first two rounds. It's completely unsustainable. Um, whether he's going to be able to do half of that, if he can do half of that, he's still going to be pretty good. But it is a bit of a worry because those tackle breaks drop down and all of a sudden you're looking at a 45 to 50 type of guy uh, without a try, and that's a little bit of a worry. So look, at 512,000, I think it's fine if you want to buy him, uh, but I do think it's not without risk. I would prefer to buy uh, Isaiah Yo. I think Yo is going to be a lot more solid and a lot better um, purchase in the long term than what Ola Kuatu will be, although he's not going to have the ceiling that Ola Kuatu will. So if Holy Moly goes on a try-scoring run, he's certainly going to have some big scores. So if you want to go for the higher upside, then I completely get it. Um, but they do have a good run coming up for a few weeks after this. So you know maybe you can jump on that run, make some cash, and then put him over to a bottomed out for feeder or an Angus Crichton or something like that as well. On the other side of the coin, we've got this Bulldog side that has been struggling mightily with their attack, but I do want to highlight one player, and that is Tavita Pengler Jr. Would have been in my side had he not been ruled out in round one. Uh, it was really hard to watch him offload, 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 offload on the weekend because he was doing it at will. Um, certainly could have played more minutes, so ended up being moved to prop from the edge, played 50 minutes of prop, Looked gassed a lot of the time, uh, but that fitness is going to come. But 68 points with a 40 raw base shows you what type of base attack that this big fella is capable of. He ended up getting six offloads in the game, which is huge. Um, Actually, sorry, seven offloads, I should say. Two tackle breaks. So seven offloads and two tackle breaks in 50 minutes is phenomenal base attack. And it's why you buy someone like Tavita Penguin Jr., 570,000, he is one of those guys that's really low owned that does have high upside, but he does have Manly, Storm, and Penrith the last next three weeks. So certainly if you're interested in him, he's only played the one game. There's not really any point in buying him right now. You may as well wait. But he is someone that was really good last week. Um, and against this, this quite slow Manly pack, it could be really interesting what he puts up this week. And it's also going to be interesting to see what his minutes are because if his minutes build up from 50... And he, or he ends up going back to the edge, which I think eventually he will, and he's playing 80. 
that's when he's going to have huge value, especially as a front row forward. So props to him for last week. I think it was a good super coach game with great base attack. Uh, let's see what he does this week, but I reckon he's going to fire this week again, and he's looking at 65-plus again. Top swap end of the week to finish up on. Canary Bulldogs, plus 10.5 or minus 10.5 for Manly. I reckon I'm going to go minus 9.5 for Manly at $1.82, and I reckon that's a pretty good bet for Manly to have a bit of a bounce-back game this week. That concludes the podcast for this week. I'm sorry that it was just a solo one with me. We're going to get those every now and then, but schedules just didn't quite work out. I've been a bit sick too, so I apologize about my voice. Keep downloading, keep streaming. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and now also been added to Audible and Amazon Music as well. So you can get us just about everywhere. Make sure that you give us some good ratings as well. It's always nice to see the feedback. And make sure you follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And also jump on Top Sport with the promo code SC All Stars if you're interested in having a responsible gamble too. Take care. Good luck with your trades this week. Put the work and research in. Can't wait for a good round of footy again, round three. We'll be chatting in the Talking Footy episode on Friday this week. It'll drop so you can hear me and Luke Garrity talk all things rugby league without the supercoach slant in it. Otherwise, TLT will be back next Wednesday for you and look forward to chatting to you guys about your teams all once again then next week. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.